coming up on the talk show. We're about a week into the NBA playoffs. I recap all the series. Is that a word I keep using? Series is. Series? Either way, all that's coming up. And of course, a huge Knicks win last night. I have instant reaction and plenty more to break down from that series. All that and more coming up next. Welcome back to the talk show. 36th episode. A lot to do today. The Knicks won a playoff game. They split the first two. This is my first time on since the first Knicks playoff game. So there's a lot to talk about. There's instant reaction to last night. There's a bunch of series to break down. And trust me, I'm going to get to all the Knicks stuff. But first, I want to go through the NBA, the rest of the playoffs. A lot of fun stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to start out West with maybe the biggest series in the Western Conference, which is the Phoenix Suns and the LA Lakers. I said before game two that the Suns had to win that game. It was a must-win game. When have we ever seen that before? A home team up one nothing already in the series, and now their game is must-win. LeBron and Anthony Davis looked disinterested for most of the Warriors game. They looked disinterested for the majority of game one. But game two, you still felt like the Suns had to get that game because the longer you let the Lakers wait around, the more they're going to gel. They're going to get their footing. They're going to get the timing down. Frank Vogel is going to get the rotations down. And then it's game over. Then the series is over. Then the Lakers are back to the championship form team that they were. And for the Suns, it was really impressive the way they played that game. And they fought. They, it looked like they had an opportunity to win. And then Chris Paul gets hurt. And he doesn't play the fourth quarter. We knew he was hurt already in game one. But now the series totally shifts. Is Chris Paul going to play? Who knows what's happening? Is he 100% healthy? And this is a question that we've asked in the playoffs now three times. In 2014-15 season, in the Spurs series, CP3 has the crazy game seven. They beat the Spurs, but then they lose in the next round. Also seven games to Houston. But the question was, was Chris Paul fully healthy in that series? Then Chris Paul's playing for Houston against the Warriors. We all remember that series. They're up 3-2. There's games six and seven, and everyone says, man, if Chris Paul was healthy, that Houston team could have beaten that loaded, loaded Warriors team. And now, are we going to be doing this a third time again? Talking about whether Chris Paul is healthy and the series is depending on his health? I mean, it's just tough. A guy who's widely considered the greatest point guard of all time by some. He is the the true point guard, the pure point guard, the guy that everyone wants to have on their team. Even at this stage in his career, you look what he did coming to the Suns and just completely changed the way they played. There were a bunch of young guys who didn't know how to play together and give credit to the coach and all that. But Chris Paul moved this team in a way that is crazy. And now he might be out or at least limited. And who knows how that affects them. It definitely affected them in game two. If they win game two, you're up 2-0. Now it's a series. 1-1 going back to LA. I think the Suns are going to be coming home facing elimination for game five down 3-1. So I hope that the Suns can extend this series a little longer. I said I felt bad for the Suns. I felt bad that this Suns team after this great season is going to run into a Laker team that basically sat out the whole season and they're going to get into form now for a playoff series. That sucks. But 
it is what it is. The next series, Damian Lillard versus the Denver Nuggets. And the reason I say Damian Lillard is because I feel like Damian Lillard should shoot every single time. And I know Carmelo Anthony had a big stretch in one of the games and they won game one and it was crazy. But it kind of feels like if he shoots every single time down the floor, they're just going to score. And then in the second half of game two, Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets figured something out. They decided, we're going to put Aaron Gordon on you. We're going to put a bigger guy. And I'm going to get to this with Trey Young a little bit later in the Knicks and what they might be able to do for the rest of the series. But they're like, we're going to put Aaron Gordon. We know he's athletic. We know he's quick. He can keep up with you. He's strong. And he could also defend you on the perimeter. And the job that Aaron Gordon did against Damian Lillard, just forcing him to pass the ball, forcing Dame to run around like crazy, like a chicken without his head on, kind of like Steph Curry does every game just to get open, really worked. Dame had eight threes in the first half. He only had one in the second half. That's a guy who turns it on in the second half usually. He turns it on in the fourth quarter. So maybe Denver can figure that out. I don't think Denver, with the point guard combination of Compazzo and Austin Rivers, although they obviously think they are the two best point guards in the league, judging by the style of play which they play, I don't think that team is going to be able to go extremely far in the playoffs. I think their offense is extremely limited. But I do think they'll beat this Blazers team. And like I said, we'll see what happens. But right now, series tied 1-1. So those two series out West, both tied 1-1. Another series that's tied at 1 in the Western Conference is Memphis and the Jazz. And I got to be honest, I was not jazzed for this series. See what I did there? I thought, all right, the Grizzlies, yeah, it was cute what they did to the Warriors with John Morant. But the Jazz have been one of the best teams in the league all year. Well, the Jazz showed how good they are in game two. They put up, what, 150 points. But it's going to be an interesting series. John Morant went nuts. Donovan Mitchell misses game one. He's not happy about that. They go down one nothing in the series. He comes back and has a big game, game two. But Ja still scores 47 points in game two. He's going to be a problem all playoffs long. We've seen this with a few guys in this postseason. Some guys in their first playoffs have shown they have what it takes to be playoff guys, to be it factors in the biggest games. John Moran's one of them. Trey Young, obviously, another one of them. Julius Randle, not so much so far. But again, we'll get to the Knicks a little bit later. You know what series is not tied at one in the Western Conference? The Clippers and the Mavs. And really, shame on the Clippers. Ty Lue has now never won a playoff game without LeBron James. I think that's a stat I saw. I think that's real, which is crazy. Kawhi Leonard has played well. Paul George has been okay. Kawhi really had a good game in game two, I thought. But they have no answer for Luka Doncic. They try and double him. They find the open man. They swing it. Porzingis played well. And with Mark Cuban and Dirk Nowitzki on hand to watch them go up 2-0 in LA, that was crazy. Luka's fired up. We saw it a little bit last year. Luka had the huge game winner. That series, what it go, six games, maybe even seven. Yeah, it didn't even feel like the Clippers were ever really going to lose that series. But hey, they wanted the Mavs. They lost two games in a row to end the season because they wanted the Mavs. How is that looking now? You got the Mavs. In the Eastern Conference, it's kind of interesting. Again, I don't want to get to 
the Knicks just yet, the Knicks and Hawks, which has been the best series in the Eastern Conference. But all three game ones in the Eastern Conference were close games. Philly didn't totally look like themselves against Washington, and Washington looked good in game one. Milwaukee and the Heat, that game went to overtime. They were battling back and forth. And Brooklyn didn't turn it on until the fourth quarter of their game one. But game two, all three favorites came out and they played the way they should. Brooklyn, from the start in that game, went up 30 points. It looks like Brooklyn's going to be a real problem because these guys don't look like they're even trying. Kevin Durant just flying out of nowhere, blocking shots. You have Joe Harris knocking down threes, along with Kyrie, Harden, Durant. Blake Griffin looks like Blake Griffin all of a sudden, which is insanity. We haven't seen Blake look this good in three years, maybe. So all of a sudden, Brooklyn looks like they're impossible to beat. And I, again, like I said, are there is their talent just going to carry them to a championship? I think it's going to carry them to a sweep in this series. Kyrie Irving already talking about, you know, they're going to say racist things to me in Boston. Listen, fans say things that are mean. I don't think it's racist. They don't like you. They don't dislike the color of your skin. They just don't like you. You left. You formed a super, a super team somewhere else. You didn't get it done in Boston. They don't like you. Deal with that. It's weird. The Boston players seem to love Kyrie Irving. After every game, they're high-fiving him, dabbing him up. But the Boston fans, they don't. <laughs> so Kyrie Irving, yeah, you're going to not be such a favorite when the series shifts to Boston. But I don't think it's going to affect their game too much. I see the Nets winning, and I think sweeping. Maybe Boston gets a game, but I don't think so. The Sixers, who knows how hurt Westbrook is, but it looks like they should sweep. The Heat just didn't click really in the first half or really the first three quarters also of game one, but that could just be playoffs. That's how it is. Doc had them ready for game two, and I don't think it's going to be a series the rest of the way as it shifts back to D.C. I quickly want to touch on the fan who threw the popcorn at Russell Westbrook. Listen, I don't want to talk about actually what happened because you have your opinion. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. But Stephen A. Smith went on the air today. He's like, you know, that fan, they should make him a public figure. They should put his face up. Stephen A. Smith is such a celebrity. He's so far out of touch with reality. If they put a fan on TV every time they did something obscene at a sporting event, so many more fans would put would go out there and do it. The reason they don't show someone streaking on the field at a baseball game or a football game, the reason they don't show it on TV is they don't want to incentivize other people to do it. So if you start putting everyone's name in a picture like a mugshot, like Stephen A. Smith said, for flicking someone off at a game or throwing popcorn at someone, then everyone's going to start doing it. My only thing with it is I was surprised more Philly fans didn't do it. Philly fans are nuts. So the fact that this guy got caught on camera and he's going to be banned from the arena now, whatever that means, I've been with people who were officially banned from certain arenas and we've gotten into the arena pretty easily. Like I said, Miami doesn't have enough firepower. They're relying on guys who are old. Maybe Jimmy Butler is not fully healthy. So in that series, Milwaukee, what they did in game two, I don't think Milwaukee is going to be able to shoot like that the rest of the series or the rest of the playoffs. But if they can shoot somewhere close to that, the way they did from three, they have a legitimate chance of beating anyone, including the Nets, in a round two series. That shooting performance was insane. 
And that is when Giannis is when is most effective. When you could surround him with shooters all around, especially a guy who can create like Chris Middleton, who's not just a shooter. That is when Giannis becomes so effective at driving to the rim, driving to the basket, in open floor playmaking. He becomes the center because the center, Brooke Lopez, is out in the corner or on the wing shooting threes. So it changes the entire dynamic of everything that they can do. And that is extremely important. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. But so far, just to recap, in the Eastern Conference, those three favorites looked like the favorites in Game 2. The Sixers, the Bucks, the Nets. In the Western Conference, I still think it's going to be a tough series between the Suns and the Lakers. But the Suns couldn't put them away. They let the Lakers back in the series. Now I see the La- it's going to be a tough time for the Suns to beat them. I think the Lakers will win in six. As far as Dallas goes, they might even sweep. I don't feel that the Clippers are a very mentally strong, mentally tough team. And that experiment of bringing in Kawhi, bringing in Paul George, saying we're taking over LA, that is an epic failure. One year in, Doc Rivers leaves. They bring in Ty Lue. That's a downgrade to me. And now I don't even think they'll get out of the first round. You then go to the other series, Denver and Portland. I still think Denver should win this series pretty easily. I think Portland is a poorly coached team. They have so much talent. And I think the coach is gone after this year. They'll see what they have to do if they decide to keep the roster together and just try someone else on the bench as the coach. And then Utah and Memphis. I have no read on that series still. Again, I didn't have a read before game one. You think Utah, number one seed, Memphis, eight seed, had to sneak their way in. What were they, a 10? And they had to sneak their way into the playoffs through the play-in series? But they're giving them fits. If John Morant continues to play like this, it's going to be tough for Utah. Now, the moment I've all been waiting for, the Knicks. Before I get to my instant reaction to last night's game, I just want to talk about what my feelings were after game one. I posted on Twitter that there were stretches in that game that were some of my favorite moments as a Knicks basketball fan of the last 15 years, some of the best moments of Knicks basketball over the last 15 years. And I know the loss, they lost the game, but Mike Breen, who's seen it all, he's been at every Nick home game, playoffs and regular season since 1994 almost. And he said game one, they lost, but he said game one was a top five Knicks game of his lifetime just because of everything it meant getting the fans back. And that stretch that the Knicks went on at the end of the game was insane. The way they started the game was terrible. The way Julius Randle played, unacceptable. But the crowd and what Alec Burks did and what different guys contributing, Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin, it made that game so fun. And I wasn't upset after game one. There's two ways to look at everything. One way you look at it is, hey, we didn't get the contribution from our biggest guy. And yet we still only lost by two. Another way to look at it is, hey, we were right there without a contribution from our biggest guy. And we couldn't put them away. That's a missed opportunity. Every game has the two sides to that scale. Every single game, you could look at it from either side. At the end of the day, it's one loss of a seven-game series. Come back, get better. That was my feeling. 
And if you look at the final two minutes of that game, Julius Randle hits the three to put the Knicks up by one after being down two. He hadn't done anything all game, and he hits this three, a huge three. Then Trey Young comes right down the other end, gets the three-point play on a play that looks like Taj went straight up on defense. The Knicks go down by one, and it feels like, oh, here we go. Are the Knicks going to be able to come back again? Or they go back down by two at that point. And then out of the free throw to make it the three-point play, the Knicks run a set play, which is something that we haven't seen from the Knicks in forever. Derrick Rose drives, gets a screen from Taj Gibson, curls around it. Taj rolls to the basket. Rose passes it to Taj. He draws the defender from the corner. He kicks it to the corner to Alec Burks for a wide open three. And Mike Breen gives us a bang as the Knicks retake the lead. Trey Young comes down the other end and just throws it out of bounds. The crowd's back into it. The Knicks come back the other way. Now with a one point lead. They do the exact same play, only this time. They don't bite on Taj Gibson. They double Derrick Rose. So what does he do? He gets up in the air, passes it to the corner to Alec Burks again. The defender stays home. So Burks gets him away with the pump fake. One dribble in, two-pointer. That's good. Nick's up by three. The Hawks come back down the other way. Trey Young driving to the basket. Throws it to the tries to draw the contact. Doesn't get the whistle this time. A rare time that he doesn't get the whistle. So he's like, oh, shoot, what do I do? So he throws it into the hands of R.J. Barrett. Somehow it goes through R.J. Barrett's body, ends up in Bogdan Bogdanovich's hands, and he knocks down a three, ties the game, deflated the crowd. Game wasn't the same afterwards, even though a couple of plays later, Derrick Rose hits the floater to tie it. Then Trey Young, we all know what happened. So going into game two, I was like, listen, Trey Young should have had two turnovers in, in a row to end that game. I thought the adjustments the Knicks needed to make were obvious. Julius Randle needs to play better, and a way to get him going would be to get Trey Young to switch on to Julius Randle on offense and have him go at him. That was one. The other thing, I thought they should have trapped Trey Young the way we saw with Dame Lillard or Steph Curry right over the half court. Make him give up the ball early and have to run around to get open. Just tire him out. Try and chip him. You know, box him out a little bit. Give him a hard screen. Make him feel you. And the Knicks did make him feel you. I saw the Hawks broadcast said, oh, Nerlens Noel picked Trey Young. And that's why, you know, the refs are still going to give Trey Young plenty of whistles. So if you're the Hawks broadcast, maybe you shouldn't be talking about whistles. All right. I'm going to play the instant reaction for you guys now to game two. And then we're going to break it down. Absolute madness at Madison Square Garden. The game just ended. It's post-game. I haven't heard any takes on it yet. This is my immediate raw reaction. At halftime, I thought I'd be coming on here telling you the season's over, telling you they didn't trap Trey Young. They didn't go after him on offense. And that's it. And that's what happened in the first half. They didn't attack him on offense. They didn't trap him. And guess what? They didn't do it in the second half either. They had a different game plan. It wasn't the game plan I thought was going to win. They forced him to go left as much as possible, and he ended up giving up the ball because of it. He was very uncomfortable going left. That bodes well for the Knicks in this series. Julius Randle showed signs of life in the third quarter. That third quarter, (laughs) and I'm not exaggerating, that third quarter is the greatest 
stretch of Knicks basketball in my life. I think they went on an 18 to three run at some point. And I know, I don't know the late nineties Knicks because I was too young to remember, but that stretch with the Obi Toppin dunk and the three and everything, everything involved in that, the way the garden was, that place was shaking. Julius Randall finally came alive, finally showed some life. I'm wearing the Randall Jersey. I was ready to take it off at halftime. <laughs> I mean, I was so depressed. And then they come alive. You get Obi Toppin's mother emotional in the crowd, crying. These are moments that are just crazy. And you could hear it in Mike Breen and Clyde's voice if you're listening to that broadcast of the game, which of course I was on MSG. You could hear in their voice how emotional they were, just how special this is, how they haven't seen this. They are all of us just being in that building, that packed building. And at one point, Mike Breen did call out the Knicks fans for cursing at Trey Young, which I get that. You're Mike Breen. He's a classy guy. He expects better of the Knicks, but or the Knicks fans, I should say. But that whole thing, that Tibbs brought in quickly and Toppin and left Rose out there and was like, all right, guys, here's what you got to do. And then in the fourth quarter, Trey Young basically alone goes on a 9-0 run and it's like, all right, it's over. And then back-to-back plays by Julius Randle down the stretch. First, the pass to Gibson down low. And then on the next play, he takes the sidestep layup. Those two plays from Julius Randle, that's why he's the team MVP. He struggled. He looked timid. But in that second half, he started to look like Julius Randle again. And don't let Julius Randle get hot. RJ had to sit down the stretch. He wasn't great. He started off the game nice. (laughs) There were so many emotions running through my head sitting on that couch. And it just goes to show you just how crazy this season has been. Um, my father was not watching the game live. He wanted to watch it later, so I couldn't text back and forth with him. But other than that, I, I totally, I just turned off my phone for the fourth quarter. I couldn't tweet anymore. I was like, all right, enough of this. I got to just sit here, enjoy, and just watch this game. And we're alive. That's the point. It's 1-1. Yeah, that first game was tough. That first game sucked. It was tough to lose that way. It was tough to watch the team play the way they did, especially Julius Randle. And after halftime of this game, I was ready to come on here with the funeral. I was ready to come on here and just talk about how it's over. It was a fun season, but I was going to be depressed. But no, they came back in this game. This is the type of game that can propel you. All the momentum is on the Knicks side right now in this series. And we'll see how far that could take them. I don't know. I'm going to give a more in-depth breakdown when I sit on these thoughts a little bit more. But that's all I got for immediately after the game. Um, just, I, I enjoy it, (laughs) enjoy every second of it. I've said it all year long. We didn't expect much and what we've got is far more than what we expected, but the way they won this game, you just want more of it. It's why you love this team so much. I love this team so much. I love that garden crowd. Um, the place looked like it was shaking at some point. Mike and Clyde were just talking about the game. It was with 2.36 to go. I, I looked at the time. It was 2.36 to go. There was a timeout and the TV didn't go to commercial. It's just Mike Breen and Clyde talking. I'm not even listening to them. I'm just hearing the garden crowd literally celebrating. It was far from a victory at that point, but the Knicks sealed it. And the fact that they were able to dribble out that game on home court, if you would have told me at halftime, the Knicks are going to dribble out this game with a nine-point win, I would have been like, you're insane, right? But it happened. So got to come back. Got to be ready to go in game three. That's a big swing game, obviously. But huge game tonight and just 
can't wait for game five, honestly, at Madison Square Garden again. That's just some instant raw emotion right there. And I'm sorry if I repeat a couple of things, but there were, I wrote down a few things today that I want to go through. Obviously, the game plan versus Trey Young was not what I wanted it to be, but it worked. They put Reggie Bullock on him, a bigger defender, kind of like what I talked about with Denver doing with Aaron Gordon. You put a bigger defender on him, a guy who's going to touch him a lot, hit him a lot. Yeah, Bullock was called for a couple of fouls. That's fine. One of them was a flagrant foul, and it was tough, but they completely took Trey Young out of that fourth quarter. They made him go left every single time, and instead of going left, he gave up the ball. They also put another guy. They kept a guy in the paint. So when he's driving now, he sees multiple bodies. This is what the Hawks did to Julius Randle. It was make him see multiple bodies. They'd put a defender on him and then put someone right behind him. And Rand- it made Randle think and slow down, which we haven't seen from him all season. Finally, in that third, fourth quarter, because there was another playmaker they had to account for in Derrick Rose, Randle was able to make plays quickly without thinking. Because the Hawks couldn't defend him the way they wanted to. And speaking of Derrick Rose. If I would have told you a year ago that Derrick Rose would be the catalyst, the biggest player on a Knicks team that's a four seed that's winning a playoffs. Forget about the four seed and the playoffs and all that. That it was Derrick Rose who has been the best player in this series so far for the Knicks. Has been the guy, the go-to guy whenever they needed anything. I mean, I would have never believed you. It's an amazing story for a guy like Rose, everything he's been through, and now he's playing 40 minutes a night leading this team. He didn't sit till like at some point in the fourth quarter. He came into the game four minutes into the game and played straight after starting the second half. Taj Gibson also started the second half. And a lot of people wondered, listen, Nerlens Noel played well. And we like Nerlens Noel. And obviously he's hurt, so maybe he's on a minutes restriction. But Taj started the second half along with Derrick Rose. Obviously, Alfred Payton sat, and I'll get to that in a minute. Here's a stat on Taj Gibson. He did six points, seven boards. Like, he didn't have a crazy game in the stat sheet. But his plus minus was plus 26 in a game the the Knicks won by nine points. When Taj was on the floor, the Knicks were plus 26. And I know Noel gets some good blocks and has some points, and he does a lot. But the intangibles, the tipping every ball, the just making Clint Capella work a little bit harder, the setting harder screens, everything that Taj Gibson does on a basketball court completely changes everything for the Knicks. And they are a different team when he was on the floor. And the proof is that number. That plus 26 is truly insane. The Knicks as a team in the second half outscored the Hawks 57-35. And in the final 18 minutes, they outscored them 43-22. to The reason the final 18 minutes is interesting is because I said before that I wasn't upset. I wasn't scared. I wasn't nervous after game one. I was like, all right, it's one game. I knew this was going to be a long series. When I started to get anxious was the beginning of the second half and six minutes into the third quarter, halfway through the third quarter, when the Knicks still couldn't seem to get it going. Then I was getting nervous. Then it was anxious. You heard the garden crowd 
moaning. You heard the anxiety. You heard Mike and Clyde. Kind of Clyde was just getting almost sad and upset. He's like, "Oh, come on, come on!" Like he, he, you know how he gets. I mean, but the Knicks didn't panic. All of a sudden, it wasn't that something switched. It wasn't that something happened. They just started to hit shots. And that's what's crazy. They just started hitting their shots. And the rest of the game, obviously, the OB dunk, all those different things. Julius Randle got going, which is huge. So now it's 1-1. It's what the Hawks wanted, not what we wanted, to be going to Atlanta 1-1. But it's what we have. That's what's here. That's what's going on in this series. So now what? Keep Reggie Bullock on Trey Young. I don't think people appreciate how big Reggie Bullock was. He hit the two threes when they were down six to make it 72-68 or 69, and then 72-72. Those back-to-back threes tied the game before Julius Randle hits a step-back jumper to take a 74-72 lead, like he's been hitting shots all game long. That's the best part of it. Julius Randle struggling all game, and then he hits those two big shots. Like, he's been hitting them all day long. So here's what you got to do if you're the Knicks. Keep the pressure on Trey Young with Bullock. Julius Randle can get going. This has not been the Knicks' best basketball yet in this series. Even though they played well and they outscored them by 20 points in the second half, that's not the best the Knicks are capable of playing. So I expect them to come back game three, game four in Atlanta. It's not going to be a super hostile environment. Maybe that could calm down Julius Randle a little bit. That he's not in an environment like the Garden where everyone's screaming and chanting his name. But also, it's not going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be a lot of Nick fans. There are no Hawk fans. I think that could really help Julius Randle get going. And that second half can help him get going in the series. And that is when the Knicks are at his be- their best. When Randle and RJ are playing their best. I don't think we'll see much of Alfred Payton the rest of the series. I would like to see Nilakina a little bit more just to give Rose less minutes. I-, I think 38 minutes a game is not sustainable for Derrick Rose. So maybe Nilakina can come in and defend. Or maybe you get more minutes for whoever it is, Burks, or Quickly. Quickly and Top and the two rookies have been sensational in this series. In their limited minutes, in their roles. Toppin does not look scared. He is as uh, he's just confident. He knows what he wants to do. So that's really it. I think the Knicks have a real shot at coming home in this series with the series either tied at two or maybe even I think they could win at least one in Atlanta. It's going to be a long series, but it's been f- so much fun. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys for the rest of it. Um, I don't know when I'm going to record next, but until then, see ya. We are the New York Knicks. 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 They go New York, go New York, go. On the floor, scoring more is 94, and the Knicks are hardcore, and I'll tell you like this, we ain't never look sharper. We're Hubert, Bonner, Gray, and Harper, it's the Knicks, and we're back on pace. Everyone's gearing up for the championship race, and the fans are going crazy, and they're doing it for a reason. Because 94 is the Knicks of the season. You better believe the Knicks got all that takes. We're shooting three-pointers, and we're running fast breaks.
breaks And if your defense makes a mistake Then BAM! You ain't dunks in your face This is a team you don't wanna miss We are New York We are the New York Knicks Go New York, go New York, go! We draw charges and we set picks. We are New York. We are the New York Knicks. They go 